How many of you have ever doubted before? Faced doubt? Have questioned things? Frustrated you? Things in life? Things about God? Things about the family? And um, I, I was here till late just struggling uh, uh, what to pray. And, and finally, I was like, that. I, I threw my hands up. I said, Lord, I, I'm done trying to figure this out. What do you want to speak to your people? What do you want to speak a, a, a word in season that someone needs to hear to get to their heart of where they're walking, what they're dealing with? And, and it was to that place of just saying, Lord, I give up and, and whatever you want, because you know who's going to be here. You know who's going to wake up this morning and say, I can't make it to church. And you know who's going to come to church dragging in and Lord, you know. So I believe the Lord put a, a word of my heart uh, on doubt today, and it's for somebody here who's struggling. And uh, struggling, I don't know, maybe it's your faith, maybe struggling in relationships, struggling with pain and suffering, and, and you're tossing and, and, and wrestling with doubt. I want to share one brief story before diving in. G. Campbell Morgan had already enjoyed some success as a preacher by the time he was 19 years old. He started off at the age of 13. But then he was attacked by doubts about the Bible. Writings of various scientists and agnostics disturbed him. People like Charles Darwin, right? The evolution and these types of theories. At that time, John Tyndale, Thomas Huxley, and Herbert Spencer. As he read their books and listened to their debates, Morgan began and became more and more perplexed. What was he to do? He canceled all of his preaching engagements, put all the books in the cupboard, locked the door, went to the bookstore, and he bought a new Bible. He said to himself, I am no longer sure that this is what my father claims it to be, the word of God, but of this I am sure. If it be the word of God, and if I come to it within, here's the key, with an unprejudiced and an open mind, if you come to the word of God with an openness and not a bias and an unprejudicedness about it, it will bring assurance to my soul itself. This is the result that the Bible found me, said Morgan. His new assurance in 1883 gave him the motivation for his preaching and teaching ministry, and he devoted himself to the study and the preaching of God's word. What do you do when you struggle with doubt in life? Is it a sin? Is it wrong? Is it okay? And my hope and heart is that we kind of unpack today the struggle that I believe we all have deep down in our hearts and our minds, especially when we're facing times of great pressure and times of suffering. It causes us to doubt a little. So let's try this again. How many of you have ever doubted? Yeah. If you haven't doubted before, well, then get ready. I'm sure you will face a time in your life that will make you call things into question. 
people think that as a pastor, you don't struggle with doubt. Uh, I, I know at times I'll even share with some leaders and it says, you know, sometimes I question and I'm hesitant and, and, I, and sometimes I feel like I'm down there like, I can't believe it that you doubt. I say, I think every great person will have to come to some point in their life where they're saying like, sometimes I just don't know. This is where the element of faith comes in. Title of my message today is, Have You Ever Doubted? Have you ever doubted? The first thing you need to know is that faith isn't the absence of doubt. Faith isn't the absence of doubt. You can't have faith in Jesus without having questions. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I grew up and, and, um, and I often would hear this, and maybe some of you heard this, you just got to have this blind faith, like just, just go, no scat them, go get them, right? And this idea that it's just this uh, blind faith that you, sh- you and I shouldn't struggle with doubt, but in truth, faith is in the absence of doubt, in the midst of your faith and my faith, if you're really wrestling with your faith, growing in the Lord, there will be questions and there will be moments of doubt. This is true for the simple reason that God has chosen to keep many things a secret. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says this, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children. Sometimes I think it's that element that God leaves things to be a a secret partly on our part as we discover. There's something about going on this journey of discovery that grows our faith. You and I are to hunger for more and more of God. And it's not that God is playing this peekaboo hide-and-seek that we don't know who he is. He has revealed things to us that we can know. He's revealed himself in nature. If you look at it, there's all kinds of different, uh, I didn't want to take it too theological, the cosmological argument of how the planets were formed and everything else, the ontological argument, and all these different arguments that we can see that God has revealed himself in many different ways, but there are some things in life that are a mystery. There are some times and things in life that are what seem like a secret. How many of you have ever been there before? Like, Why? What's up with this? And I think if you're truly grappling and struggling with your faith and not struggling in a bad way, but struggling to understand, struggling to know, then you are going to grapple with these ideas and have moments of doubt. There are certain things that God has revealed. That's what makes faith possible. That's what makes faith possible possible. That's your fill in the blank when you look throughout church history and God has revealed himself in many different ways. I grew up in a church that I watched people get healed, delivered, set free. Addictions as they were bound were set free. People who had stage four cancer be healed and delivered. I, I knew without a doubt that he revealed himself in little ways that made for me my faith possible. 
I saw God in moments of trusting him. And, and, and I watched in this church growing up where we would take offerings for things that God was doing as we would expand and move forward. And people came forward who I knew didn't have much, but in faith they would step out. And as they stepped out and gave, and then they would share their testimony of what God did and how God met them. For me, it was what made my faith possible as a young man growing in this church. That if God could do that for them, then God could do that for me. There are certain things that God has kept secret, and that is what makes faith necessary. There are certain things that God has kept secret, and that's what makes our faith necessary. If things weren't all a mystery and we had all the answer and we had a formula down for everything, we wouldn't need God. I don't know about you, but there are times in my own life that I've walked and I felt like I was smarter than God. How many of you would dare to say that and admit that you thought in moments of your life, well, God, I think I'm just smarter than you on this one here. Come on. Two, three, four, five... You guys lying. I'm going to give you a chance to be honest, right? We're going to keep it real. Keep it real. How many of you is like, yeah, God, I would have handled that differently. If that was me, I would have shown up like two months ago. You thought you, you knew better than God. You would have done it differently. How many of you? Come on. You might be saying, well, Pastor, what does this have to do with increase? This is the part where we're grappling with our faith and growing in our faith and desiring for more and saying, God, I'm hungry for more. But I, we got to go back to even what I started with, with Campbell and how he starts up not coming with our own biases and at times with our own hurts and being closed off to the truth. We will have questions in this faith walk. We will doubt at times. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. This is that part where, uh, in fact, I, I would almost dare to say this. If you, if you come across someone who is absolutely certain, 100%, never question, never doubt, that, that, that there is a part in them there that isn't being true because I believe that there is doubt deep down inside. And I think if we come to the grips of our own humanity and say that at times I don't know. And I think this is the part even in Christianity today that sometimes we struggle with that we don't even want to share our faith because sometimes it's like, what if someone asks me a question that I don't know, right? What will I do then? And you begin doubting yourself. We know in part. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith lives with unanswered questions at times. You cannot live in this world without asking why. Why? If you've ever faced grief, pain, suffering, 
difficulty, you've asked the question at some point, why? Trying to make sense of what seems like situations that don't make any sense at all. We live with the mysteries at times of evil and of suffering. Just as it's part of the Christian faith to say we know what God has revealed, it's part of Christian humility to say we do not know what God has kept secret. There's no sense we act like we know everything. How many of you have ever been around somebody who act like they know it all? Maybe your sibling, you know, there's always one or someone in the family that you ask a question and they're like, they get one answer for everything, right? How many of you know that, right? And I think the more you study, the more you grow, the more you learn, you get more comfortable being uncertain at times. I would say it this way. Felt like going over to Bible college, there were 21 of us from this church, and we were a small church, believing that God was going to raise up young people in this church who would be preachers and pastors and teachers and missionaries. And, and I remember sitting in this congregation, even at 12 years old, and I looked around at the current congregation, I'd be like, Lord, I don't see it. I don't see it. And it was not a knock against anybody here. I was looking at myself. I wouldn't call myself doubting. I remember going over to Bible college at that time. I was a little older as a young adult. And Alicia and I were married already at that time. And, and I felt like when I landed in Bible college, I felt like, honestly, I came kind of knowing everything. Like I was... Maybe it was my competitiveness. I don't know. And I'm like, I felt like, wow, you're going to do well and you're going to excel. And, and then when they put the stacks of books in front of me, I'd be like, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. I'm not reading all those books. And what was interesting is I'll never forget the moment that I graduated. Four years later. Actually, it was three and a half. We did it in three, three and a half years. And... I walked the line, and I'll never forget receiving my diploma in biblical studies. And I don't know what I was looking for, the feeling. But this was the feeling when I, after I received my diploma. I, I said this to myself. I feel like I know less now than I did when I started. And if you're going to be a student to grow to learn, to be passionate about anything, if you have this openness to and willingness to grow, you will start to realize that you don't know everything. And being comfortable at times with uncertainty, and this is where faith comes in. There are many people in the Bible who doubted and struggled with their faith. I'll 
share really briefly and quickly on some of them. John the Baptist, the forerunner who's preaching, make way, make way. He's coming. He's baptizing. And here the Messiah is coming. And I could only imagine what it was like growing up for John the Baptist, whose uh, father was a priest, and, and yet his father didn't believe. And uh, even when um, uh, his mom, Elizabeth, was going to uh, give birth, and the angel said that, the father didn't believe. And, and I, 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 I can't imagine John Baptist's childhood growing up with his mother who came from a priestly family. I'm sure they were pouring into John the Baptist and you would think that this would be a young man who never struggled with doubt or his faith and he's there, make way, and yet we see when he's in prison for about a period of a year or so and he's struggling and facing these things and they're saying, hey, this is Jesus, he's actually here. And then John's like, hey, go send some people out and check, is this him, the Messiah? He went from one moment... Make way, the Messiah is coming. And then when the Messiah actually is there, he's like, is that you? John the Baptist is struggling and at times even doubting. And Simon Peter denied and doubted. Elijah, after slaying the 450 prophets of Baal, gets chased away by a woman, runs into a cave, wants to end his life filled with doubt. God uses him in one moment to do powerful miracles and things. And in the next moment, this is why we need Jesus every day. And in the next moment, he's like, ah, I want to end my life. And I don't know if it's worth going forward the struggle the mental struggle we talk a lot today about mental health right it's a big topic and a big issue and I think in the Christian world today we talk a lot about the heart right the heart and caring for our heart and not, not a lot goes into talking about the mind because imagine that, that we're, God does, doesn't call us to just love him with all of our heart he calls us to love him with all of our mind there's something beautiful that happens when somebody loves God with all of their mind, also connected to loving him with all of his heart. All of his strength, all of his mind, my soul. Elijah, Thomas, the father whose boy was sick and he's wrestling with his boy being sick. How many of you have ever faced suffering and is wrestling and saying, God, how come you're not coming through for me in this? How come I've prayed for people and maybe they've got healed and yet I haven't gotten healed? Why is it that I've seen miracles happening for other people but I'm struggling? And I love what this father of this sick boy says. He says, I believe after it happens but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Moses struggled with doubt at times and I think it's interesting Pastor Ben just read that passage of scripture talking about disobedience which I'm going to unpack here in in a moment and, and Moses struggling with that doubt here's a old man stuttering problems yet God touches his life and calls him David struggling with doubt Jonah struggling with doubt Jeremiah 40 years in ministry and not seeing a single convert how many of you would say that success, going 40 years and not seeing no progress, no real fruit, but yet faithful and obedient to the Lord? Even Jesus in the garden, struggling with moments of questioning and doubt, says, let this cup pass from me, right? That 
filled with, can you imagine Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before knowing going to the cross and the, the weight and the sin of the world and the pressure and the agony. At times the pressure when it's on will reveal what's in us. Jesus says, let this cup pass from me, but this part is key. Nevertheless, I'm struggling with doubt, but nevertheless, I want to give up, but nevertheless, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. I want to throw in the towel on this marriage, Lord, but nevertheless. I, I, Lord, I don't know where my finances are coming from this month, Lord, but nevertheless. Lord, I don't know what's going to happen to my children because it doesn't look hopeful and it looks like all hope is lost, but nevertheless. There is doubt in our faith. But like Jesus, nevertheless, Lord, whatever you have, I'm willing to walk through. We will all have moments of doubt. At times, our faith can get hazy and cloudy at times. How many of you have ever been there walking in your life and your faith get hazy and cloudy and it's like, did I make the right decision following Jesus? Is this what I signed up for? persecution and loss and at times loneliness and despair is that what how many of you ever been there before who don't let me be alone if you have if you haven't I'm telling you you haven't truly been tested yet you will have moments where you will question everything there are times and moments you can say this when the pressure is on and the heat is on. And sometimes I tell my wife, I say, you know, maybe I shouldn't be a pastor. Maybe, maybe God didn't call me to be a pastor. Maybe, maybe I should have just stayed in construction. Maybe that was my real calling. And moments of wrestling Moments of this struggling with my own fate to say, God, you called me, but it doesn't mean that I'm not wrestling. Nevertheless, Lord, I may not see it in the moment. I may not have picked myself to pastor, Lord. And I, I may not, sometimes I want to say, Lord, I'm done. I'm done pastoring. It's, it's not for me. Maybe it's for somebody else and the struggle that's there. God can handle the struggle. God can handle the struggle. And, and eventually you come to, to that place and God, Lord, nevertheless, Lord, my life isn't my own, Lord. I want to give in and cave in and throw the towel in and I don't know if I can make it anymore. If you've never been there in a relationship, you really haven't been tested with your children. In a marriage when you're ready to throw in the towel and you question the love. Is it really love? Did I really marry the right person? And you start questioning. And it's not wrong to doubt at times for the moment, but also saying, God, nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. Not my will. I can't make sense of things at times, Lord. Nevertheless, Lord, I will still trust you. Think of the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. And they're there and they refuse to bow to the king. And I think of their 
faith so deep down in the Lord that, that even though in scripture, as I read the story, they seem unshakable. That we won't bow King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar is like, turn that fire up seven times hotter. Can you imagine what that must have been like for these three boys? I'm sure it doesn't say in scripture, but if they're human at all, which I believe they were, I'm sure there were moments when they turned it up seven times hotter. The three boys must have been like, oh my, God, you're going to have to come through. Lord, I don't know about this. God, maybe we just should have bowed. Maybe we just should have gave in. Turned that baby out. It was so hot that the people who took them and threw them in got burned and died. <laughs> I, 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 I love the Hebrew boy's response. He says, nevertheless, hey, turn that fire up. He will deliver and he will rescue us. But even if he doesn't, yet will we follow him and know we will not bow to another. Even if he doesn't rescue us. That's faith. Doesn't mean they weren't struggling. I'm sure they were. I'm sure if you were human, man, there are moments and times in life when, man, you get weak in the knees that you don't know if you can take another step. Can I really go on? Can I really push forward when I don't have the strength to even go forward anymore? What areas of doubt have you struggled with? And what is God asking you? to have more faith and trust in him for. Faith isn't the absence of doubt. Second thing, doubt is the questioning of faith. What do I mean? Doubt is the questioning of faith. Doubt is not the absence of faith, it's the questioning of faith. You can only doubt what you've already believed in. Doubt presupposes some kind of faith. Doubt is one of the most common struggles in this Christian life. What do I mean? Maybe if uh, for those who uh, maybe are married, or I'll, I'll use one uh, of parents in a second, but... Uh, Maybe you're, you're married and, and you said yes, and, and when you said yes, you put faith in that person, right? When you said yes, I do till death do us part, man, that's putting faith in someone. And I put that on there because having faith will at times lead to struggles, which will then cause you to question and to doubt, which then will lead to belief. Having faith is necessary, but doubt is the questioning of the faith. What do I mean? Even when you're married and you're walking in this journey, you put that faith in that person, and what you do is over time, you face struggles, you face difficulty, and you're like, do you really love me? I mean, really love me? Because if you really, I feel like, I feel like my enemies treat me better than the way you love me. And you start questioning, and you start doubting, did I make a wrong choice? And you need to know that, that faith presupposes doubt, but we need to go through doubt to get to belief. 
what I mean about even your children. I think about this, that at times we don't, people say, you know, just believe, just believe. No, you first have to have faith. At times, faith is a journey that will lead you to believe. I don't know if that makes sense, but I'll explain it this way. As, as, as a, a, a child growing up, my, my parents would often say this, we, we do this because we love you. We love you. I like hair off the back of the head. We love you. I'm like, if this is love, I don't want it. And, 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 and really the hope is that we have, we have faith in our, our, our parents and, and the parents are putting faith in their children. But faith will be tested. The struggle happens. And, and I don't know about you, but even for me growing up as a child, I began to question, is this really what love is? And you begin to doubt. It's like, well, how come, how come Johnny's parents let them do whatever they like do? And we don't get away with nothing. I feel like my father was like drill sergeant. Open the door, close the door. You turn on the light, shut off the light. You make your bed dirty. At the end, of it, you fix your bed, right? Like, I was like, is this really love? And, and you question and you doubt until maybe one day you start getting kids of your own. <laughs> and then you start repeating the same things. And then you come back and say, I believe now. I believe now. At times we think it's just belief, but when you put faith, faith is believing without seeing. At times when we're believing without seeing, it's not negating us from the struggle. You will go through the struggle. You will doubt, but hopefully, ultimately, if you stay open to the word of God and to the love of God, you will land on the belief that he's for you and not against you. It's important to grasp the difference between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is questioning what you believe. Unbelief is a determined refusal to believe. Did you get that? You probably got to write it down, okay? Doubt is questioning what you believe. You believe something already, right? Like you have a belief in that person, so you're questioning it. Unbelief is a determined refusal to believe. Even after you know what's true and you have the facts, you still refuse to believe. Doubt is a struggle faced by the believer. Catch this one. Unbelief is a condition of an unbeliever. Unbelief is a condition of an unbeliever. We can't expect someone who doesn't believe in Jesus to have faith and believe. They're unbelievers. And the more and more I studied and prayed, and when I threw my hands up, I said, Lord, I, I said, Lord, you're, you're preaching through me through this. I don't know who's coming. I know you're going to speak to somebody today. And the more I began to look at it, I said, Lord, are we, Lord, in church, Lord, having unbelief because we're an unbeliever? Maybe we come to church and we say we trust in Jesus, but maybe we don't really trust in Jesus. 
And this is that faith journey and faith walk. And I think there will be many on that day, and Bible talks about it when we get to heaven and we're at the pearly gates and, Lord, Lord, but I clean church in your name. And, Lord, Lord, I park cars in your name. And, Lord, Lord, I sang on the worship team in your name. And, and he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. It's not about the things we do because this isn't a works-based faith. Now I'm getting into the, a series on grace. And I, that's why I felt like Lord said put a pause on this because the series on grace is going to be so impactful. It will break off our religious mindset that we've come to church with at times of how we got to be a certain way and do a certain thing to be accepted by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who loves you the way you are, but loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Yeah. Unbelief involves spiritual blindness and a determined resistance to God. This is for somebody here today who is struggling in your walk with the Lord. And I'm going to encourage you to surrender your life to him because he loves you. Unbelief involves a spiritual blindness and a determined resistance to God. Some of you, God's been knocking at your heart's door saying, I'm calling you. I have a plan for you, your giftedness. And he's putting you this and you're like, mm -mm, no, Lord, no, no, I ain't going. No, no, right? no. You know the truth and yet you have this spiritual blindness and determined resistance to God. I would call you an unbeliever. I would, I would call you an unbeliever because you have to have an openness to God if you call yourself a son of the, or daughter of the Most High God. He's the ultimate authority, not you. When you say, it's my way, Lord, not your way, you put yourself on the throne and took God off the throne. Amen. When you make him king of kings and lord of lords of your life, you can have that doubt from God, I, I don't know if I can do what you're calling me to do. There's a difference between struggling and doubting and walking in unbelief, refusing to accept the truth and the facts of what God is calling you to do. Does this make sense? I'm telling you, I, I truly believe God changed his message three times because someone is here today, not just struggling with doubt, maybe someone is here today walking in unbelief and you think you're a believer. I want to encourage you, you haven't surrendered your life to Christ. You can be in church and still go to hell. You can still be in church and, and be like the absolute devil when you walk out of this place be gossiping and throwing stones and God's grace is so much different. His ways are not our ways. Amen. Apostle, the apostle Paul, prior to his conversion to believe in Jesus, was persecuting Christians, killing Christians, thinking he was doing God a favor. I think if we're not careful, we can get a religious spirit in the church and we think we helping other people out by just throwing stones at people. Ah, there's another fault. I see that problem you got. Look at that struggle. And we think, because if we're not careful, that we're better than other people. 
and we forget what mess we were like before God rescued us. I pray, God, Lord, may we never forget the mess that you delivered us from, Lord, so that we don't return to it, but also so that we would have grace and compassion on others that if not to, Lord, so would I be like them. Paul could not understand the truth at the time. That's ignorance. Couldn't understand the truth and ignorance. And I was deeply resistant to the truth. That's unbelief. It says in one passage of scripture when Paul's going and he relates it to this, it's like talking about kicking the golds. And so what it was is this cart, this cart had sticks and spikes going down. And at times... This is, this is what God speaks to Paul. If you strap the bull to the cart, the cart is behind him. Imagine this, you getting whipped, right, or, or, or told to go. How many of you would kick back, right? Whoa, whoa you like whip me? I'm going to show you. Go ahead, whip me, right? And the bulls would, boom, kick the cart. Boom, kick the cart. Boom. I don't want to believe. God, don't tell me what to do. Lord, I know what's best for my life. Lord, don't call me to do those things. And we're kicking back these things. And Paul's wrestling with this unbelief and resistance to God. And, and God is telling Paul, why are you kicking the goals and these spikes? What, what, the picture and the imagery was every time that that bull kicked back, the spikes dug into the back leg of that bull. And the bull was bleeding. He says, don't tell me what to do. And spikes dug into that bull's leg. And, and, the, and the master's telling him, all right, go ahead, go a little faster. And the bull's ticking. I don't have to believe. I know what's best for me. That's called unbelief. God, someone is struggling with this today, and I want to encourage you. God's got so much more for you so much more for you if you will but fully surrender your life to Christ your legs are bleeding they are hammered they are all bruised you don't even know and you bleeding everywhere and you cannot even see it it's time to surrender to the Lord surrender your life to Christ he wants all of you doubt and unbelief are different so discerning the difference is of great importance you can see the difference in the story of a married couple, Job and his wife. This family experienced great tragedy, and you all know the story. A majority of you know the story of the book of Job. In one day, he lost all of his business, his wealth, his property, and every one of his seven children died. The house they were in collapsed on him. Talk about a bad day. How many of you would say, that's a bad day? He was wealthy, had lots of possession. He was blameless. He was doing everything right. But listen to their two responses. This is the difference between doubt and unbelief. Job and his wife responds completely differently. Suffering exposed Job's love for God. The suffering Job experienced, he's doubting and grappling. He's in boils. He's lost everything. But it's exposing his love for God. He wrestles with the mysteries of what he could not 
understand. Just because there is pain and suffering and difficulty in your life, it doesn't mean that God is there, but what it will do at times is cause pressure to squeeze out what is it in there that you really love. And Job's love for God as they squeezed the pressure couldn't help but that came out. This pressure exposed the wife's unbelief. The wife going through the same situation loses everything. And here Job turns to the wife in these moments of all I got left really is you, wife. And she says, Job, just curse God and die, buddy. We lost it all. Why are you going to hang on to him? The suffering exposed where her trust and faith was in. The suffering exposed for Job, his deep love for God. Though you slay me, will I follow you, Lord? It don't matter where I'm at currently, Lord, because that's not the end of the book, Lord. And if I hold on to you and your promises, Lord, things will be different. And you got to read the end of the book of the book of Job because in the ending of the book, and if you stop in the chapter that you're in right now, you will not see the blessing and the favor and the promise that God has for you. Some of you are wanting to throw in the towel and give up too soon, and God has more for you like Job. If you wait to the end, you will see the blessing and the faithfulness of God. Don't throw in the towel. You can struggle with doubt because that's what Job was struggling with. But he wasn't struggling with unbelief. If he was struggling with unbelief, he would have said, God, I'm done with you. This is what Job's conversation would have been to God. God, you see me nothing but faithful, and this is how I get repaid? Is this how you want to repay me, God? After I sold in years, all my money, my effort, my influence in the community, all my kids, every day I woke up, I sacrificed, I prayed for my kids just in case one of them sinned, just in case. And this is how you want to repay me? That would have been a conversation if Job had unbelief. But he struggles with doubt and it squeezes out his deep love for God. It's okay having doubt, which questions your faith. So what areas of unbelief that you're wrestling with that you refuse to believe and trust God for? What are areas of unbelief that you are wrestling and struggling with that God's trying to get you to surrender? I'm telling you, this isn't me because if I had my way, I would have preached two other messages. God's trying to get a hold of somebody here today who's struggling with doubt and unbelief. You want to see increase this year? It's okay to doubt and struggle, but we got to get rid of the unbelief and move into a greater depth in him to say, God, I will follow you, Lord. Number three, don't let your doubts be a dead end. Don't let your doubts be a dead end. Because we can have doubts and we do struggle with those things, but don't let it be a dead end for you. Reverend Dr. George Campbell Morgan was a British evangelist, preacher, and a leading Bible teacher. He was a prolific author. 
Mortgage preached his first sermon at the age of 13 and died on May 16, 1945. This is the young man who I quoted in the beginning of my message. This is what he says. If you believe in God, you sometimes wonder why he allows certain things to happen. But keep in mind, there's a difference between doubt and unbelief. Unbelief is an act of our will, while doubt is born out of a troubled mind and a broken heart. If you've ever doubted before and had faith in something and someone, at times it will be because we've had a troubled mind and a broken heart and wondering why is this happening, which leads us to doubt and it's not wrong to doubt. What is wrong to do is when we have a stubbornness and unwillingness to accept the truth. When we say in our own will that we refuse to believe. The word unbelief, if you study it, it's a, it can be expressed by these two Greek words in the New Testament. Whenever these two words are used together in the New Testament, it will connotate almost always disobedience. I thought it was interesting as Pastor Ben read the passage of Scripture and, and he didn't know what I was preaching on, but he talked about Moses disobeying. And really it's about obedience. And we see here that unbelief at the core almost always is about disobedience we know the right thing to do but we don't do it disobedience is sin and sin separates us from god unbelief is knowing the truth but refusing to obey <laughs> Is there anything in your life that you know the truth but refuse to obey it? I believe the Holy Spirit is coming at someone's heart's door and he's knocking today. This isn't me because trust me, I wasn't planning on preaching this message, but the Holy Spirit is trying to get a hold of somebody here today because he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. You're struggling with unbelief. pastor says the triumph of my faith is not the absence of doubt the triumph of my faith is the ability of my faith to shine in the deepest and darkest moments I believe God is wanting you and I to surrender to him and yes we doubt and yes we struggle and yes we question but at the end of the day, he wants us to say, Lord, nevertheless, Lord, not my will. This doesn't make sense right now, Lord, but I don't have your perspective, Lord, because all I can see is with my finite little mind and little eyes right now, Lord, but I don't see from your view that a loss in the moment could produce great eternal results. I can't see it in the moment, Lord. 
And if you're not careful, your doubt can be a dead end if you don't surrender to God. Now allow the Lord to struggle and go through it and ask the questions. But at the end of this, say, God, nevertheless, Lord, Hebrews 11, 6. It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Think of that scripture in the Psalms as the psalmist wrote, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though you walk through and it's maybe a valley of doubt, you will fear no evil because he's with you. He's with you. It may seem dark and deep and endless, but he's with you. One pastor said it this way. The greatest gifts that God gives at times come wrapped in doubt. The greatest gifts that God gives at times come wrapped in doubt. You ask anybody who's ever been used in any way, at times they have moments where they're questioning and doubting. You hear of artists who begin to write songs and say, this song will never make it. I'm not even going to publish it. And they publish the song anyway, and it becomes the greatest hit. Moments of doubt. The greatest gifts of God at times come wrapped in doubt. The promise is wrapped in doubt for a reason. Because if he gave you proof, you wouldn't need faith. Sometimes we cry out, Lord, I want proof that you're here, Lord. I want proof that you're real, Lord. And this was Thomas's struggle. I know we call him Doubting Thomas, but to give him the benefit of the doubt in truth, the others were there and saw it. Thomas didn't see it and touch it. He was struggling and doubting. This is the difference of doubt and unbelief and we think Thomas takes on this bad rap of a person yet if he had unbelief after Thomas touched the hands of his savior he still wouldn't have believed but he struggles with doubt that after he touches he says Lord you are I don't know what you're struggling with what doubt areas of uncertainty I know the one whose hand you can hold on to and it's him it's God Almighty where are you at a dead end right now in your faith and what needs to change so that it doesn't become a dead end have you ever doubted faith is in the absence of doubt doubt is the questioning of our faith don't let your doubts be a dead end. I believe this has everything to do with increase. And I believe the Holy Spirit is knocking at someone's heart's door this morning. He's knocking at your mind, not just your heart. Because in your mind, you've already settled that he can't do it for you. You've seen it done for other people. But God, I don't think you can do it for me, Lord. I want you to know he's a good God who loves you has a plan for you 
And if we will let him, he will fight our battles for us. That's just the God we serve. This is him. He fights our battles. He fights our battles if we will let him. He wants to fight the battles for you. But his approach may be totally different than yours. But if you will surrender to him, you will watch and see how God will fight your battles. Not like how you want it done, but it may be totally different. It's because of what he's trying to do in you and through you in the process. Pastor Greg Laurie says this. It's not necessarily bad to have moments of doubt. Sometimes we need to go through the foyer of doubt to get into the sanctuary of certainty. Sometimes you and I need to go through the foyer of doubt. You think it's a dead end, your doubt. It's just another room that you got to pass through. There's something that happens when you go through that foyer of doubt and you question it all and God shows up. Oh, God. When he shows up, it puts a certainty in your heart that nobody can take away. No demon or devil in hell. No person who doubts or questions. When you go through that foyer of doubt, it will lead to certainty. It's not a dead end. Will you but surrender to him? Can we all stand? Oh, I feel the presence of God. He's, he's speaking to somebody here today. You're struggling, wanting to give in, questioning why. And God rearranged my messages the third time to get a message to you in the right time and in the right season that you would know that he loves you. He's got a plan for you. And you're just going through the foyer of doubt. But if you will trust him, if you will surrender to him, he wants to lead you to the sanctuary of certainty. Oh, I've been there also, and I think there are levels where you go through it and God finally shows up. Lacey and I have been there financially. Thousands of dollars in need because we gave and said, God, you told us to give, and now what, Lord? And we have moments of doubt. We say, Lord, but God, you got to show up. You got to show up. And when he does show up, it leads you to a greater certainty, which leads eventually to a greater faith. 